Hello everybody, welcome back to another edition of Bantering the Blue Shirts, our flagship show. Uh, we're recording this a little bit later this week, uh, had some scheduling conflicts, but it also worked out that today was the first day of the Rangers uh, bye week slash beginning of the All-Star break, so everything sort of works out. Once again, I'm as always joined by my co-host Mike Murphy. Mike, how are you doing today? I'm doing swell, Tom. Very tired. Uh, I don't know if our listeners know, but I'm uh, the content manager for the National Women's Hockey League, and uh, with Martin Luther King Day, uh, there is a three-day weekend of hockey, which, you know, is awesome, uh, but it meant my week has felt weird because I had to, like, work on a Monday. I mean, I work every day, but I had to work on game-related stuff on a Monday, so I'm all out of sync. Um, which also for me means like whenever there's a Rangers game on, I make a point, you know, that conflicts with work. Now I just have to do what I didn't used to have to do. I just watch the games on, you know, either condensed or more often than not just watch the, uh, the rewind thanks to MSG go, but it's, uh, doing well. 2020 is off to a, uh, a rocky start for me personally, Tom, but we're hanging in there. How you doing, buddy? I think that's all that we can do is just hang in there a little bit each and every day. Um, I'd say it's uh, a mess start to the year. Um, just, you know, busy with work stuff, um, you know, sick this week, but I don't have the flu. Um, my nephew um, has the flu type B, um, so I spent a lot of time with him. So I went and got swabbed this morning and no flu, just, you know, regular old cold. But... Nobody wants to hear about that. What people tune in for is uh, the New York Rangers. And I figured the best way to start, um, if you're listening to this, obviously you you know, probably know that the Rangers lost their last game um, prior to the break against the Islanders. You know, sort of a tough loss. Uh, you know, two power play goals against the Rangers could dig out of the hole. But I figure let's look forward and... The biggest news um, right now is Chris Kreider was selected to replace Artemi Panarin for All-Star Weekend. Uh, the news was announced after the game versus the Isles, and Artemi Panarin himself tweeted about it um, on Wednesday morning, wishing he could be there, and how uh, Mr. Rizzi, his, his dog, was looking forward to going to St. Louis. But it's going to be Chris Kreider. Um, I don't know about you, Mike, but I was surprised that Kreider was named his selection. Is that something that you thought was going to happen? No, I thought for sure we would have seen Mika Zibanejad. Uh, but I don't know. It, I mean, it's it's interesting, I guess. Uh, I mean, one way to look at it is, you know, it's Chris Kreider. You know, I don't think scouts pay a lot of attention to the All-Star Weekend, Tom, but Chris Kreider can put on a display there, um, which I guess, I mean, if you're looking for a silver lining, if you're upset that it wasn't Mika, um, but yeah, it is kind of, it's interesting that it's Kreitz and not Mika Zibanejad, but, uh, that's, that's where things stand. It's, it's a, we should clarify too, that from what we've heard out of the Rangers camp, uh, this Panarin injury is an upper body thing reportedly, uh, according to Quinn and uh, it's been kind of a, an ongoing thing since he played with with the issue against Columbus. And, uh, you know, he was kind of a game-time decision. And the Rangers just 
opted on the side of caution, which makes a lot of sense. Um, even though, you know, I think they also were playing a uh, booch through the flu or something, but is what it is. Uh, and Kreider is an all-star, which, you know, is a weird kind of curveball in, in how things are going with the Chris Kreider 2019-20 uh, season saga, right? Yeah, and the best part about it is we get to finally see him in the fastest skater competition, which I think is something for years. Um, We've sort of talked about Kreider being one of the fastest skaters in the league, and we should be able to see it. I would be really surprised if if he doesn't do that. because that's really his his best skill and it's it's not like at all-star weekend they have a competition who can tip as many pucks on on net uh you know um but yeah it's uh i'm wondering if it was a thing where zibanejad was was asked but he maybe had some plans that he didn't want to break um as we record this um news broke that um Austin Matthews will not be participating on the on-ice festivities. Um, He's sort of nursing an injury. So Brady Kachuk is going to take his place. Um, So I'd imagine maybe we might hear a few other substitutions along the way, but it wouldn't surprise me if if Sabanajad had plans and you know, it's a good opportunity for Kreider, you know, potentially his last year with the Rangers. Um, we don't know how things will shake out, which I guess is a good natural segue. Um, some rumors coming out um, regarding Chris Kreider. Um, I'm just sort of looking at a uh, sporting news right now and, and how his name is, is one that that's floating about um, NBC sports Boston. Joe Haggerty cited anonymous sources in which, um, you know, the, the Boston Bruins view him as a, uh, a top trade target. Um, I'm not so sure how I feel about Boston as a team to trade Kreider because they don't really have the greatest of resources in the sense that anyone of value is on their roster. And I don't see the team like the Bruins willing to give anything off their roster. Um, your thoughts, Mike? I mean, of all the you know, potential bedfellows for a Chris Kreider trade. Um, I mean, for the Bruins, it makes plenty of sense for them. I know uh, things have hit kind of an impasse uh, with David Backes and, you know, what his future holds. And that is a team that I think wants speed and size, and especially with what happened in the cup final last year with them. And, of course, they're a contender in a you know, have a real chance of getting back to that cup final uh, this year. But, Tom, I don't like Boston's prospect pool very much. Um, it's, like, I don't, there's not a lot there. I'm trying to think of a way, like, if, if I think if you and I had our druthers, right, if, if we had our say, the Rangers would be bringing back, you know, a pick and, you know, a good, a very good prospect uh, specifically a forward prospect and i i don't love boston's prospect pool and that is problematic Uh, it's also worth saying of course that you know it goes kind of goes without saying 
if when you're trading with teams like for a rental there's a very good chance that let's say it's a first round pick whatever the pick is really so long as that pick was originally theirs um because of course they could have another team's uh pick but it's going to be a later pick in whatever round it is right um so there's a there's a chance here with boston that the return might be underwhelming and you know, it is really interesting to me, Tom, because, of course, uh, it wasn't that long ago when the Rangers made, uh, what was it, technically, was it two? Did we trade Nick Holden there? It was a separate trade, right? Was it Holden and, and Nash? Both went to Boston? So, it's interesting that you, you I was, that's the direction that I was going yeah. to go in, um, in, in sort of assessing um, your thoughts on a trade return, because... I think it's fair to say that at the res- this res- the respective points in their careers that Chris Kreider has a lot more value um, now than Rick Nash did at the time. Would you say that's a fair statement? I think so. Right, he's just a little closer to his prime, um, you know. And in all fairness, I think. Crides has really been helping his trade value as of late, right? Um, he scored again recently. He's been, you know, picking up goals now. I forget what he's at now in terms of goals. I think it might be 13. 17. Oh, he's up 17? to 17. Yeah. That, oh, that's right. Because in my head, it was uh, when Booch scored and he didn't celebrate. <laughs> and I saw that was his eighth goal of the season. I was like, oh, man, it's only eight for Booch. But. Um, Cries at 17 is pretty solid, um, all things considered, especially because, you know, he went through a rough stretch there. But, uh, yeah, I I think he, his value compared to what Nash is, like, I think Nash was viewed as a more complete player when the Rangers traded him, um, especially because of what he can do shorthanded and uh, how responsible he was defensively as a winger. Um, but I don't think he was looked at as a guy who could really be like an X factor in the way that Chris Kreider can be like the right team could add Chris Kreider to their first or second line and, you know, have their team completely transform a lot. Like what we saw uh, when Zuccarello was traded to Dallas, like before that trade, Dallas didn't really have a second scoring line. And then Zuccarello landed there and all of a sudden, you know, they had, you know, Rupe Henson Dickinson and Zuccarello become like a legitimate second line. So, I would say Kreider's value is higher than Nash's was, which makes things really interesting. Yeah, so my follow-up question to that would be, so you have the Rick Nash trade. Would you say that your feeling on that return is that it was light? In, in hindsight, have you sort of you know come to terms on what that return was um, considering? Because I think a lot of people, when that trade was made, they're like, well, the Rangers didn't really get any good prospects, so... If you're gonna trade with Boston again, you're sort of trading with a with a team that, you know, the last time you dealt with them, they didn't really give you a whole lot. Um, you know, no disrespect, you know, to, to Ryan Lindgren. Yeah, no disrespect to Ryan Lindgren. Um, of course, Spooner came over in that trade, and Spooner became Strom. Um, you know, it was. I do think Lindgren has exceeded my personal expectations, but I set the bar very low for him, um, I, which I think I've gone over multiple times now. But um, 
I don't know. Like looking back at that deadline in particular, Tom, like I was really pleased. Um, it's actually almost interesting, right, to look back at that deadline specifically and think about, you know, those those trades. Because the one that I think has aged very well, um, at least to me, I, I've always I liked it when it happened, and I like it now. Was the Grabner and uh, for Rikov, or rather, Grabner to the Devils for Rikov. Um, and you know the Krides deal. I mean the uh, the Nash deal. I I didn't have any. I don't know. Like it wasn't an amazing return, but I I it was hard to be un like disappointed by it for me. I don't know. How do you feel about it? You know now because oh I remember now there's Rob O'Gara and a third round pick from Boston for Nick Holton. That's right. And of course the Rangers took on. Uh, Bolesky, who I think if anything there, Tom, the Bolesky element may have been the most... um, Because when it first happened, I know we were talking a lot on Blue Shirt Banner. You know, I remember you, Shayna, and I specifically talking about, like, oh, you know, the Rangers might be able to make something out of Matt Bolesky. Um, And that, of course, never really happened, right? Like, he... It was the thought that maybe, hey... Not only did the Rangers get Spooner back, you know, a body to use, um, but obviously the Bruins wanted to get away from Bolesky's, uh contract, but, you know, by absorbing some of it, but the Rangers like, oh, we could use Matt Bolesky and maybe he'd be worth his n- kind of new cap hit, right, <laughs> after being traded to the Rangers. Yeah, what I remember from that trade is I was uh, somewhat optimistic about Ryan Spooner because he was a guy who, in limited NHL playing time, in the sense that he was splitting time between the Bruins uh, and the AHL, he had some decent numbers, so you would think that if he was given an extended leash, uh, he would be able to do something for the Rangers in a a third line sort of way, uh, maybe someone who fills in in the, in the, in the top six, but yeah, um, that didn't happen at all. And what the fact that they were able to get Ryan Strom, um, who's played very well, all things considered when you're looking at the time that the trade was made and what he was. And if, if the Rangers end up moving, you know, Strom, I guess in a way it's, it's a continuation of, of that Nash trade, and I'm thinking it of that in that sense. Um, earlier this afternoon, um, you know, Hockey Stat Miner was was posting uh, something about a trade tree, looking at you know the Rangers' 2004 sell-off and all of the branches and everything that um, sort of went to that. Um, regarding Kreider, if the Bruins are not a good fit. There are other teams that you could be potentially interested in. Um, there's been reports that the Rangers have been scouting the Colorado Avalanche. Um, if you remember, um, we had reported, you know, going back that the the Rangers had had conversations with Colorado um, regarding Kreider and regarding um, Vladislav Mestikov. Nothing ultimately came to fruition, but they're a team that has a ton of cap space. They have a really good roster, and Kreider on the Avalanche um, would would be a, a great fit. I mean, you talk about adding uh, additional scoring, secondary scoring, someone with playoff experience. Um, 
I think that would be a good fit. Um, I would have to go and look back because um, I, I think Adam had written an article um, going back, sort of looking at um, players that would be of interest if, if the two teams are talking and how that's changed. I think one of them at the time was Tyson Jost, but now he's played more with the Avalanche and he's less of a, a prospect, so I don't know if he would be exactly on the board. But I guess it's good that there's a lot of different options and you know it'll be interesting i i think of not to bring it back to all star weekend specifically but you look at a team like the blues um who are hosting and they had lost uh, vladimir tarasenko for the year i gotta imagine you know while he's in st louis you know uh Kreider will probably get some attention for, from them and because they're definitely a team that could use him as well um but yeah it's uh I guess it's, it's it's at that time of year where it's uh, everything happens so fast, so you just got to pay attention. Uh, your thoughts, Mike? Well, that's I think the you know we're kind of doing a slow roll here on on the streamer, but it is this is kind of a big deal. Like it's I think it's it, the consensus is that Chris Kreider is the most desirable you know rental right now um, in terms of guys who we know are going to be rentals, especially among forwards. It's and that is a great position for the Rangers to be in. Um, needless to say, he's not quite like having Eric Carlson. Um, but of course, the other side of that is his departure will not be as uh, painful and devastating to the franchise as a whole as Carlson leaving uh, Ottawa, um, or even you know Mark Stone uh, leaving Ottawa and going on to Vegas. So it is it is really going to be interesting to see how things heat up because things always heat up after the all-star break tom as you know and you know the rangers have this nine game break um uh and we should mention that uh during this nine game break uh it's no surprise that igor shesterkin and actually as well as uh, phil di giuseppe were both sent back down the ahl uh, makes perfect sense um uh, but to kind of close up on on Kreider, um maybe before we have a little a uh, little ad break tom um it's listening to like i could i can see him fit in st louis but the, the thing is i can really see him fit in a lot of places you know he is he is a really desirable player uh for teams that want to contend um regard like if if you're a team that cares very much about being fast and having finishers uh you, you're good you're going to want Chris Kreider. If you're a team that cares a lot about underlying numbers and analytics and, and you know, winning the shot share, you should also be caring about Chris Kreider. Uh, if you want a, a threat on the power play, a threat, um, a guy to play in front of the net, because, you know, I think it was uh, Sam or Joe was saying, like, Chris Kreider is arguably the best player in the league at deflections. Um, I think, you know, Joe Pavelski might give him uh, you know, a run for his money in that department, but they he's up there. Like he does a lot of little things and he does a lot of things very, very well. Um, and of course, like you said, to kind of get rolling with this with Kreider, uh, replacing Panarin, he's also so fast. Um, it kind of makes me wish there was like, they hung a crash test dummy up by like a, a rope at the skills competition and dressed it in goalie gear. And so we could just see how, 
how far Chris Kreider could launch it by smashing into it. That's the event I want to see Kreider in. I mean, when you bring that up, I think of uh, like D2, the Mighty Ducks, and Luis Mendoza, and the uh, trying to stop in front of the uh, the oh, soda the, cans. Like, yeah, the triangle of the, I mean, the pyramid of soda cans. Yeah, exactly. But I don't like, think Kreider only has trouble stopping when there's a goalie. And I should say, I know what Chris Kreider's reputation is uh, among people who don't cover the Rangers and who are not Rangers fans, but... Uh, yeah, it's worse than it actually is. Yeah, I think it's a lot worse than it actually is. I'm having a little bit of fun. I don't think Chris Kreider is a guy who goes out of his way to, you know, steamroll goalies. I just think he is a very large man. Like, in terms of players who have his dimensions, like his size and strength, I don't think anyone is in the same class in terms of size and speed, really. Like, can you think of someone else who has that, like, that combination at that level? It's really hard to think of another guy who can do what he does. Yeah, it's tough. Um, because I guess the, that's something that, if you kind of think about it, he sort of morphed into that player. But it feels like for years the Rangers were trying to get that um, that sort of fast power forward. Um, in, in recent years, they got people who had fallen off a cliff, whether it's Ryan Klo or the tryout for... Ryan Malone or those types of players, but oh man, a Ryan Malone callback, Tom! Wow. Speaking of uh, callbacks, I think now is a good uh, spot for an ad break, and uh, we will oh, very good. rejoin you shortly. And just like that, through the power of the internet and technology, uh, that break was thrown in there. You listened to it, and now you are listening to me. Um. I would say the next couple of topics are regarding the the young kids and um, a good story that came out um, today in the in Lohud. It's Capo Caco um, talking to uh, Vince uh, uh, Mercogliano, um, and it's it's a very very good look um, at Kako and he sort of talked to him before he's going back home to Finland. He's going to take full advantage uh, of this break to sort of chill out, reconnect with friends and family. And he sort of, he opens up talking about how when he started the season in the preseason, he had this sort of um, this idea of what the NHL was going to be like and how he was confident based on all of the success he had had prior and how it really hasn't completely matched up to his expectations. It's a little harder than he thought it was going to be. He thought he would have more um, points at this point. But the end of the interview I thought was very interesting. Um, He's sort of talking about role models on the team and, and how he wants to approach the uh, the second half how he's going to come out of the break and now he's thinking you know the second half is going to be about learning he says we have Henrik Lundqvist and Mika and Artemi Panarin and he can watch what those guys are doing every day and then maybe next year or in a couple more years he can be one of the best players in the league um I know when we did our mid-season grades we were I don't want to say we were hard on Kako. I think we were just trying to be realistic based on 
what he was billed up to be and what the results were. Uh, but I think it was a, an interesting look because he, he comes across as like a quiet guy and he's, he, as he's someone who's, uh, you know, learning more and more, um, about the league and what the expectations are. I mean, I, th- I think he's going to have a good second half. Just can you imagine you are this high draft pick, you come to North America and for months and months and months, you're away from your parents and friends and you're struggling and you get an opportunity to go home. I mean, that alone is going to uh, be a big mood raiser for him. I would agree. I think it's it's a good thing for him. Um, and as, like, as we've already talked about a bunch of like, the Rangers' really kooky schedule where they had that kind of like false start. Um, and of course, he had a really, really strong start, actually. Uh, Capo Caco did. And, you know, I think the idea, I like the idea very much of him getting a break um, and kind of getting a chance to get centered and get away from hockey uh, for a little bit and, uh, you know, recharge his batteries. It's it's interesting. We've now seen, you know, even though I know the lines got uh, got shake got shaken up with uh, uh, with Bradman out of the out of the lineup, Tom. But we've really seen a long, like a long period now of that kid line, and you know, I, I think it goes without saying that you know Heedle has been, um, you know, the best part of the kid line, um, but. There are times when Kako has been the most no- noticeable player there, and uh, you know he got promoted up, up in the lineup uh, in the Rangers' last game, which was a great sign. I know Quinn said you know he liked his game, um, which is a nice, a little nice sign, um, and it's nice to see him rewarding Capo um, Kako uh, when when he does meet those expectations because it is uh, it's tough. I mean, he is so young and. I think another part of this that maybe doesn't get discussed enough, Tom, is it's been a really damn long time since we had a kid this young with this much pressure, with this much hype built up around him playing in New York. Um, It's been a long time. Yeah, and if you look at even recent players who the Rangers have drafted and you look at the time it's taken from draft to them making the team and being in a in a premier role i'm trying to think i feel like if you look at impact players that the rangers have had in the last i don't know how long you want to say um or so I want to. Is it is it like Derek Stepan, like that was drafted in 2010, and then he makes the t- or no? He when, when was he drafted? I'm trying to think. I'm, well, how many like how many rookies played in their draft year? Like I'm, I know the Rangers have had a bunch in you know draft plus one, but I like honestly, how many 18 year olds have been in the lineup? Like I. Well, I think Heedle was like when he was Heedle wasn't eighteen, but he was the youngest player in in recent memory to um, make an That's opening right. night lineup. That's yeah, right. That's right. 
Well, I was wrong. Stepan was drafted in 2008 and then made his debut in um, 2010. But I guess it goes to show if you're, and again, I would say because of the team the Rangers have been in recent years where they were always going all in, they were taking players out the back ends of the draft. So you had that, that time to sort of wait for them to um, eventually make make the NHL. So... Yeah, I mean, I I would say, I forget who shared it the other day, um, but the comparison was made just because of the age and the skill set, how Andrei Svechnikov, how he had a first rough half of the season and how he benefited from the all-star break. And then when he came back for the second half of the year, he was sort of reset and more comfortable and he sort of knew what to expect because he was coming at it from the mindset of, okay, I've already done half a season. I have half a season left. And then it's, you know, the summertime and it's, um, you know, get getting ready, prepared, knowing I've played an NHL season already. And maybe that'll be the case for Kako. Maybe it takes a little bit longer. Um, but I would say, I believe he's still tied with, Maholtra for the most points by an 18-year-old Ranger. And I would imagine he'll get at least one point in the remaining, you know, 30-odd games. So from that standpoint, it's going to be a success. Now, what I would be interested to see, and I forgot who had posted this. I'll probably find it after and I'll retweet it. Um based on how Hartford is playing, would the Rangers demote him at the trade deadline just so he's potentially eligible for the playoffs? Like, would that be something for him and Igor where they could benefit from, you know, contending for, for the Calder Cup with, with Hartford? I don't see why not. I like that idea. I know... I know there are some that might say like, eh, but like to me, it's 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 a great experience. It's hockey. It's playoff hockey. Um, you know, and I can't think of a, a better confidence boost uh, for him than to go down there. Um, we already know what Igor looks like at the AHL level, but it's, I mean, it makes perfect sense to me. Like to me, it's like, yeah, and Heedle, like everybody, everyone we can. Why would you not do it? Just you know, look at the guys on the team who are, you know, to bring up his name again, uh, guys like Matt Bolesky and, you know, you know, those guys that are, we know what they are, they're journeymen, they're filling a hole, you know, they're just kind of placeholders. Scratch them, play the kids when we get to that, uh, to that juncture. But um, I think some of that might end up depending on how much the Rangers get dismantled at the deadline. I know Joe just wrote his, uh, Think about how the Rangers should do one more big sell-off. Um, and, you know, one of these things I keep wondering about, I keep meaning to find time to write it, is, like, constantly fascinated by what Jesper Fast Value would look like to another team. Um, I struggle with that. Yeah, it's it's really, really hard to, to put a, uh, like, to me, I'm just like, probably maybe i guess a second round pick in a great case scenario like 
like a conditional second, that'll be a third if the team that gets them doesn't advance, you know, doesn't advance past the first round or something like that. Like, how do you put a number on uh, a guy like Jesper Fast who's not going to score goals, but he undeniably has value outside of that? Like, he does all the the intangibles, and I think everyone around the league recognizes that. He wears a letter... Um, for the Rangers, and he's won, you know, the team's, uh, like, Players Player Award. You know, he's, like, the reigning guy for three or four years, I think it is. So, uh, but it is really interesting uh, what's, you know, where this team is headed. Um, and but to go back to what you're saying, the I, I don't see the downside of having the kids down there. I mean, it just... My only thought is, will there be enough... Uh, I mean, I guess you could just call up all the all the guys you would scratch, right? Just call up Phil DiGiuseppe um, and let Capo Caco and Igor and everyone else finish the year in Hartford and for the playoff push. And, you know, and I, I should be clear, we're talking in the playoffs, like, uh, and, you know, maybe a game before, but mostly just in the playoffs. It's the idea so that they're not just doing nothing. Yeah, it would be a paper transaction where, okay, yeah. we send him down where he has, it's I think it's 30 calendar days or like 10 team games played until he actually reports. It's just the yep. virtue of, okay, you are AHL eligible. Um, exactly, yeah. But I love I, that idea, Tom. Let's do it. Because I'm trying, and I, I might investigate or write about this at some point, um, you know, sort of how if once they decide to sell what they should do and, and how they should, you know, play out, out the string of the regular season in terms of line combinations or players we want to get more of a look or understanding of. But one idea that I had, I had thought of, you brought up Jesper Fast, and I doubt they would ever trade um, with this team. But... When I think of Jesper Faust, I think of all of these players over the years who have either been traded to or promoted to the Pittsburgh Penguins, and you saddle them with Malkin or Crosby, and then they just turn into this like dynamic juggernaut. And I say the Penguins because you look at all the injuries they've had this year. Um, and, and to the point where it's given Brian Rust an increased role and, and he's been phenomenal for them. But like, I, I think Faust has the potential to be that sort of Swiss army knife. Um, you know, even though he's not from Switzerland, um, you know, he's a, a Swedish army knife, um, sweet army knife. I like, yeah, it. I also like the analogy. That's a good, he is a guy like you know, up until the Panarin injury, it, we had Strom, Fast, and Panarin as the first line. Like, it didn't always look great, but... Yeah, and I you would have not believed that. You can Fast, right? <laughs> like, yeah. If, yeah, if I was, that was in, in my head, like, for the show is... We've said it a couple times, like, uh, specifically with, you know, how long we saw the Truba-Hayek pairing. And, like, if I told you at the beginning of the season, Tom... For the first, like, 30 games of the season, Libor Hayek and Jacob Truba, the most frequent defensive pair. And now, Tom, the first line of Ryan Strom, Jesper Fast, and Artemi Panarin. I think everyone's question would be, what the hell happened? Like, Who got hurt? Yeah, who's who died? Was it, where, 
what happened to Zabinijad and Heedle? Like, what what's going on? Where's Buchnevich? Um, but that's it's been a wacky season in in many regards with stuff like that. So, uh, but that is another thing is wondering if there's going to be other rumors popping up. Uh, I don't know if there's going to be like a lot of hot stove hot takes on the rumor mill for for Jesper Fast, but yeah, it is interesting. Um, really interesting, actually. Oh, yeah. we didn't mention, uh, what was it, uh, Igor was going to play in the AHL All-Star game. He is not now. Uh, it'll be Vinny Letary. Yeah, which I guess all that means is that he's going back for the two games uh, that are upcoming, Friday, Saturday, and then I'd imagine he gets recalled after that because he'll have no games to play in and he'll just be able to you know take the break but doing it as a um an nhl player so he'll have a bump in salary for those days that he's on on the roster um so i guess the the best way to sort of end this show is just sort of revisiting briefly um a topic that we haven't spoken about a lot because really there weren't a lot of details and we're only bringing it up because it's not like there's much more details um it's concerning leah sanderson um larry books reported uh before the game against the islanders that there's been a thaw in the relationship anderson and jd have been communicating directly for about 10 days and he's begun to skate and practice with uh a division two team in sweden whose name i will not attempt to butcher um i'll <laughs> but yeah it's um you know tom i'll try it um kungalsk uh k-u-n-g a with little dots on it l-v-s-i-k so division two kungalsk um i'm sorry better than i would have done in all Everyone honesty sweden, I'm, I'm really sorry but yeah, I mean, I think this is good news. Um, I love I mean, this news. It's giving him the ability to get back on the ice again. And if anything, hockey is something that it's he can sort of just not that not that you know you ever you know take your mind off everything a hundred percent. But this is at least will quiet the oh he's not even playing he's just sort of sitting out uh, things, and it gives him the ability to um, you know maybe work his way back up, feel a little bit more comfortable and maybe to the point where, you know, he ultimately decides, you know what, I do want to come back to Hartford. I, I do want to, um, you know, give it another shot. Obviously we don't really fully know the details of what's happened, but I would look at this as, as, as positive, at least in uh he's talking with JD and there seems to be some sort of plan in place. Yeah, to me, even if this doesn't result in a happy ending within the Rangers organization, meaning, you know, a bridge is mended here and Leah Sanderson suddenly uh, returns to the team and it's bygones be bygones and we all move forward and Leah Sanderson ends up being the really good third line center or pretty good second line center um, in the Rangers organization down the road. To me, this is what I wanted to see out of John Davidson's New York Rangers it's to me it's an important thing in the big picture is JD who you know I I've met a bunch of people in the Rangers organization and interacted with them I've never met uh JD um in fact I think if I ever did meet John Davidson I would just 
hug him uh, and thank him for essentially raising me with Sam Rosen. But uh, thinking about this, this is the right thing to do from the human being perspective, uh, which I think is an important factor here for an organization that is about to have this massive influx and already has this big influx of all these young guys. You want to see the president of your organization make an effort like this, Tom. You want to see, you know, this attempt to say like, hey, Leas, let's talk. And, you know, the way that Brooksy reported it is, you know, the relationship is thawing and that means that it's not quite as icy and awful as it was. It, this is only a good thing. Um, and, and like you said, I think it's a good thing for him to get on the ice because it, it will be good for him, I hope, um, you know, for his his own well-being, his happiness, um, you know, if he's well enough physically um, and everything else to, to be on the ice, that's great. Um, I It is one of those things where we're all really curious about what the next step is here, and I don't think we're going to get that answer for a long time, Tom. I think this is not going to be something we figure out until the off-season, is my guess, but uh, it's a good first step for me. I'm happy that JD made this effort um, I'm happy that apparently Leah seems receptive to it. And, you know, what? If, if we can't have the storybook ending, at least let's have a happy ending. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I would say the immediate first step probably would be just the trade deadline in the sense of if he's still here and it, it shows that, A, they're willing to try and work things out even further. B, it's a situation where teams are still unsure of where things stand, but it is a good first step. And uh, JD is someone who, from what we heard, a lot of it was brought up while he, the Rangers were making uh, their trips to Columbus for the and St. Louis for the first time, where each of um, the arenas had a sort of welcome back JD or a thank you JD um, sort of thing. And, one of the things that was brought up was just sort of the relationship that JD had had with Artemi Panarin and how that was something that played a role in him ultimately signing with, with the Rangers. Um, so it's it's an interesting dynamic because a lot of people have sort of brought up, you know, if this were Glenn Sather, it pro- he probably would have been traded by now. And I am of two minds on that because throughout history – there's been a lot of in, in, uh, situations where Glenn Sather was the I'm going to give you a second chance type of person. Uh, while he was a coach in, with the Edmonton Oilers, he was the one whenever his players were in sort of a trouble, it was a, you know, call me, no questions asked, we'll, we'll deal with whatever the situation was, where he was this sort of paternal, you know, grandfatherly type uh, individual. Um, but I, I think in... We also saw the flip side of that with players that the Rangers were unable to sign as it drug out. I, I, I mean, one of the things I remember most is he's um, saying uh, in in negotiations how you know Derek Stepan shouldn't be foolish, and how shortly after that, boom, a contract is signed, uh, and he was back on the ice for the Rangers. So it's it's certainly an interesting dynamic, and I, I'm hopeful that. If anything, it's not just a forget about the Rangers, a happy ending for the Rangers, but a happy ending for Leah Sanderson so that he can 
continue the rest of his career, the rest of his life, um, you know, in, in the manner that he, he wants to. Hey everybody, this is Tom here, just making um, a cut into the podcast. We had a issue with um, a syncing of audio at the end, which cut out Mike's reading of the patrons, um, and I'm unable to log into the Patreon account for some reason, so apologies for that, um, but what we just want to say is thank you again for listening. As always, we do uh, appreciate all of your support and um, be sure to uh, check us out on uh, Off the Post, which will um, upload the day after you're listening to this. Uh, thanks and uh, talk to you again soon.